Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to episode 357 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday, July 10th, and after a very, very predictable extra innings game, I am joined by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you? Brad, I'm great, and it's nice to finally win one of these Sunday afternoon games. It feels like <laughs> whenever whenever you and I, and last week, our, our fearless leader, Chris Willis, filled in, feels like lately the Braves have been just killing it. Best record in the league for six weeks now. Uh, but somehow they always seem to lose in heartbreaking fashion on Sundays. I don't know what it is, but it was nice to finally win one of these uh, 12 innings, which was a lot. And, of course, a very, very good week for the home team. And then, of course, a big series in the horizon starting within about 24 hours. Yeah, clearly that's that's coming. And, uh, you know, all of this sets up what is a monster showdown with the Mets uh, beginning on Monday. We'll, ta- we'll tackle it at the end of the podcast. And you reference it. Uh, the Braves have been just rolling for a while now. Uh, you know, the last two weeks, like like you said, they've lost on Sundays, but they're 29 and eight since June 1st. That's the best record in all of Major League Baseball, even better than the Yankees. And the Yankees never seem to lose. So uh, that is pretty, pretty impressive. Um, obviously, that goes without saying. But um, before we get, to get into everything that happened this week, I do want to plug uh, actually the extra podcast that still is unnamed, at least as uh, as we record this from Chris Willis and Stephen Tolbert. They did about an hour long traded line look ahead, like roster reset kind of thing earlier this week. That's very, very relevant to listen to on the podcast feed as well as Road to Atlanta, which is going to be uh, even more prominent in the coming days with the MLB draft looming like a week from today, actually, is the draft. Uh, also, Sean Coleman on Daily Hammer. Four, four shows for the price of $0 all on this podcast feed. Please subscribe to the podcast. But um, we'll fly through the stuff that's early. Uh, I know we're obviously recording an, an hour plus after we were supposed to record because as we, uh, as I sort of made fun of myself on Twitter here on this one, but Scott and I were texting back and forth deciding to record this podcast as soon as the game ended today. And uh, that was uh, the death knell for the game to actually go to what uh, was with an extra hour, something like that. So it, it's like scientific. Like if we're trying to get something done on that, we, as folks know, we record these on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Anytime we're trying to knock it out right when the game ends, automatic extra innings. You are welcome. At least, you know, <laughs> they at least won. The yeah, they finally won one of these. Yeah, but uh, I'm on the roads. You know, we're, we're doing what we can. Hopefully, hopefully we sound okay. And uh, here we go. So, as far as like stuff earlier in the week is concerned, uh, I know you and Chris talked about Tuki uh, 
leaving last week as a, as a DFA. He ended up, ended up being traded to the Angels. Uh, I have long been a Tukey guy, so that was uh, heartbreaking for me. Not necessarily a, a shock by any means, and hopefully he can uh, get his get his career back on track. But that happened as well as the returns of Eddie Rosario and Tyler Matzik officially earlier this week from the IL after extended absences. And then also Adam Duvall, went, also, he had an injury and, and then also went on the paternity list over the weekend. So congratulations to him on uh, on new fatherhood, I suppose. But uh, not really a ton else of news stuff. I mean, I know you talked about lots of with Chris last week, but anything like non-game related that you want to tackle or we can sort of dive in. Also, the all-star stuff's happening like as we speak. So we're going to do that, do that at the end, I think, because they're actually announcing reserves like right now. So we don't have the list just yet, but we'll come back to that. But anything else you want to get to? No, I know Chris and I last weekend talked quite a bit about Tukey and just how good of a, a human being that he is. And of course, it hasn't quite worked out at the major league level. Uh, you know, the Angels made sense for him to go out there. The Braves got cash considerations, uh, which, of course, is never announced, which is funny. I think sometimes players get traded for like actually like $100 or something like that. I don't know what the Braves got for Tukey, but nonetheless, um, you know, you wish him all the best. There's some familiarity with the Angels. Perry Manassian was with the uh, front office with Anthopolis for a handful of years before going out west. And, and if you're Tukey, you're, you know, selfishly for his career, he's probably hoping to uh, get another chance at the major league level as long as his health cooperates and uh, the Angels are in complete free fall. And I'm sure they're looking for anybody with a live arm to come up and try to make a contribution. So best of luck to Tukey out west. Hopefully he catches on. I think uh, I think a lot of us and, and podcast listeners alike are really hoping for the best for him. Yeah, big time. Uh, he was a guy we talked about a ton. I know even when it was Carlos and I on the podcast, uh, Tuki was one of our first guys. And uh, that, you know, obviously hope we uh, get him going a little bit out west and that'll be good for him, hopefully. Um, as for the results, we'll f- sort of fly through the, uh, the Cardinal series a little bit at the beginning. Uh, July 4th was a long time ago now, but uh, also a very long baseball game because of the rain delay that happened. Uh, a very strange day at the office down at Truist Park on Monday, but they get, they get a win. Um, they had to burn Kyle right after, after four innings. The game ended like what midnight midnight Pacific time. So something crazy. It was very, very, very late. Like I think you were the last person uh, uh, alive on the battery power side that night, but uh, there was a lot of yeah. stuff going. I, I think was, was Chris even there? Chris might've been there. That was even, even, even crazier. It was like a 2 a.m. Eastern time finish. On yeah. Monday. It was a late night and it was a weird game. The Braves jumped out to a, an early lead. And then uh, I don't know if they scored after the second or third inning. And then the Cardinals just kind of kept chipping away, but, Hey, anytime you can win a game that has a three hour rain delay, it was really unfortunate. As you mentioned, uh, Kyle Wright was cruising and they had only gotten through four completed innings. Of course, you need uh, to get through five and a half in order for it to be an official game. So you knew the Braves being the home team had no interest in calling the game. I think it was six to one when the storms rolled in. Uh, so they, of course, did not want to lose that big of a lead, especially when the game was basically half over and credit to the bullpen. And again, it's been an interesting point of, debate I think with this bullpen statistically is really good although I don't know if folks feel great on a day in day out basis whenever that bullpen door opens but they covered the the final five innings and things got a little hairy with Will Smith as has become a theme Um, if anything I think Kenley Jansen being out the last two weeks has just made us appreciate him even more Uh, he's had a night or two where it got away from him but I think everybody is very very happy to have Kenley back early in this upcoming week. Yeah. Uh, one of the funnier things in the world right now is that Will Smith has a 3.18 ERA this year. 
uh, I think no one understands. No, no one would guess that if you didn't know it already, because it feels like everyone is back on the Will Smith is, a, is terrible train. Um, but it's very fun. He also has a negative Fangraphs war, which is hard to do with a 3.18 ERA. But that's where we are at the moment. So yeah. never in doubt. World Series champion Will Smith. Uh, yes, yes. That, that's flags fly forever, as they say. Um, but yeah, that was a weird game. They cruise on Tuesday, despite Ian Anderson, who we're going to come back to because he pitched today. And uh, he was not fantastic on Tuesday, but was enough. Um, Austin Riley has been scalding hot. He was the hero, of course, on Sunday as well. But even back to Tuesday, Riley had a couple of a uh, couple of big swings that were, I, I guess, it was triple short of the cycle. While Bill Contreras, your guy, uh, had had another home run in that game as well. Um, I believe I have the numbers here from I think it was Kevin McAlpin. Uh, Riley, by the way, this is pretty crazy. The last six games, he has a 520 batting average. The last 11 games, he has uh, 22 for 45 at the plate. That'll yeah, play. That'll work. Yeah, I mean, what a year. He's had quietly, too, just having a monster year. I think he gets overlooked with, uh, you know, with Acuna and then some of the very sudden rookie of the year front runners that the Braves have. You have a Cy Young candidate maybe even two of them. Um, yeah, just very quietly having a monster season. Yeah, and we'll come back to that later, uh, obviously, about today's game. And then Wednesday, it's the Max. The Max Free Show continues. Uh, six shutout innings for Max. He has a mid-two ZRA. He's just been fantastic, as we've talked about, I feel like, every week. But it's been even better by the day, it seems, for Max Freed. Um, and then uh, Ozuna and Rosario both hit home runs on Wednesday to break the break the tie. A uh, little bit of life from Ozuna recently. Uh, he had one today that was, uh, I think he had like 111 mile an hour, just absolute rocket and extra innings that was caught. But uh, he's been a little bit better, which is encouraging. Rosario still, the numbers look that don't, don't, don't look great because of the early season stuff, but he's also uh, felt more like himself, I think. So some, some nice signs from the veterans that are not necessarily the prominent guys right now. Yeah, I mean, with Marcel, we know the deal. He hits the ball hard. The results haven't been there, and um, anything he can give this lineup is, as we know, he's kind of been home run or bust, really, the entire season. And you would hope that if he continues to barrel the ball and, and hit it hard, that eventually it's going to have some success and translate into some statistics that we want to see. Uh, yeah, Eddie had a big home run on Wednesday. Very clearly, I think he is still shaking off some rust. I mean, again, you mentioned the eye surgery that he had maybe three months ago now, not even um, trying to come back. He only had a handful of plate appearances at the beginning of the year. Uh, so really, this is probably feels he's a veteran who's been around for a while, of course. But for him, this probably feels like the end of spring training in a normal year for him. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, too, with Adam Duvall presumably back early this upcoming week as he returns from the paternity list. Uh, those guys are going to be able to rotate in left field. I think as long as Harris and Acuna are healthy and going well, it makes sense to platoon those two guys and hopefully put them in situations to be uh, successful. Yeah, that uh, that tracks overall. Basically, uh, we do have to get to the, to the one loss of the entire week. The Braves were six and one this week, so uh, no complaints about that overall per performance. But they easily could have won on Thursday too. They lose in twelve innings against the Cardinals in the finale as they aim for the sweep in that series and early in the game was the positive nature of Spencer Strider, who has been fantastic, uh, a career-high 12 strikeouts in six innings. Um, I, I know you pulled you pulled this stat, but it was a uh, for Elias Sports. Uh, Strider became the first pitcher in Braves franchise history to have a his first nine outs be a strikeout 
Um, obviously, his stuff speaks for itself, but he has been ludicrous in the last seven or eight starts. Uh, and there was a whole discussion now being had, and I think a reasonable one that we should weigh in on a little bit here about Strider's innings and his workload because of how little he has pitched previously. So I'll throw it to you about just the way he's looked recently, but also like what to do, because there's been some murmurs about that already. And I know it's early, I know it's early, but basically with a guy as valuable as he is, you don't want to overtax him too much. That's definitely a, a point of potential concern. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about what Spencer's done since coming to the rotation, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves in eight starts and 41 in a third innings. He has a 39% strikeout rate, an 8% walk rate, a 2.83 ERA, and an even better FIP and XFIP. So there is no smoke and mirrors to what he is doing. Uh, you mentioned the strikeouts. I mean, he is becoming appointment television. And not only locally, of course, folks know about Spencer Strider, but nationally, too. I think he's really starting to catch on. He was on the front page of ESPN.com, I think, the morning after his big performance. Uh, there was some kind of MLB story, and, hey, Spencer Strider is getting the attention he deserves. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated to know what the Braves feel internally about Strider because it's, it's tough to take him out of the rotation right now. You wish in a perfect world the Braves had like a 10-game division lead and they could just kind of coast and start to think of a little bit ahead. But as we know, there's just a big, big emphasis on becoming the one or two seed in the playoffs with the bye now with this new format. Um, you're going to have to presumably push pretty close to the entire season to, to hold off the Mets. Um, you know, Strider is not going to be able, well, I shouldn't say it so definitively, but I am not in, I'm not sure that Strider is going to be able to continue throwing 100 pitches every five days and hold up physically, especially when the Braves are going to need him come playoff time, right? Like, I think if yeah. you look at the postseason projections, I think they're up to like 97 98% especially with how the National League is shaking out. I mean, nothing is impossible. The Braves were below 500 this time a year ago and ended up winning the World Series. Things happen, but, man, um, it, it's going to be a real balance. You certainly can't take Strider out of the rotation right now. Uh, maybe there's some opportunities. The Braves do have quite a few days off right after the All-Star break. So I think they have – I was looking at this the other day. I think they have six days off in the calendar month after the all-star break. So maybe there's a chance to skip him. Uh, maybe you can give some of the other guys a rest as well, uh, because as we know, you, you obviously you have to get to the dance in October, uh, but you need guys to be fresh. You don't want them to be out of gas. As we saw with some of those earlier Braves division winners, it didn't seem like the team was firing on all cylinders going into the postseason. Uh, whereas last year it was all bets were off. Seemingly everybody was firing and, uh, it's going to be really, for me, one of the most important storylines is how they handle his innings uh, in the second half of the year. Yeah, especially because, look, they, they were – I don't know if this was part of the calculus or not, but they they waited longer than we wanted them to to have him start this season. Like, we went over this a lot at the time, but they were trotting out a basically just a death spot in the fifth starter spot for several weeks before they finally went to Strider, and maybe that was part of it too. They just didn't want to have too much – uh, workload on that arm but like for a guy that's just never thrown that many innings and he's you know freshly out of college but he threw sub 100 innings last year across levels like he's not going to be able to throw 150 innings that's just not going to happen so like if he's just a full-time starter from this point forward uh into the playoffs i, I don't think that's going to be what you would expect from him that's my guess whether that's skipping him a few times whether it's something else or something else i don't know what they're going to do with him but i think it would be Fairly surprising to me if he just started every fifth day for the next 
three months and into the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But it's, 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 it's a question. It's a, it's a good problem to have because he's been so good that you don't want to take him out. And he's a rookie of the year candidate along with Harris. They have you know potentially the top, the top two guys in nationally rookie of the year. But uh, it's a, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And he was obviously awesome on Thursday. Unfortunately, it got uh, sort of overshadowed by, by a 12 inning loss because Will Smith came in and did Will Smith things. But um, yeah, Manfred Ball, a lot of that over yeah. the last few days. <laughs> it is so bizarre talking about the the ghost runner and extra innings now like if you look at i looked this up during today's nonsense um the braves and the dodgers are the two best teams in the national league for like three four years running now and since they instituted manfred ball both teams are terrible and they've won more games than anybody else in the same amount of time like how, how does that track i don't know man it's it's just silly to me um, I guess it, it maybe prevents games from going too deep. Although of course today's game went 12. Um, yeah. And, and a final thought on Spencer Strider and his innings. And we talked about the trade deadline preview podcast from uh, Steven and Chris. Um, you know, for me, I think my, my one a priority at the trade deadline, short of there being an injury, let's hope not. But my, my one a priority would be to add a starting pitcher um, they talked about this quite a bit on the podcast. Of course, everybody is looking for starting pitching this time of year. It's tough to get someone because when you have 20 teams bidding for a dozen pitchers, the, the price is going to go up probably to a level you don't love. But for me, if, if there's an opportunity, even if it's not an ace, even if it's more of an innings eater, um, it's a bummer that internally they probably don't love any of their options, the Bryce balls, the, uh, Kyle Muller's been throwing well, although his velocity was down in the last start. Uh, so that's a little bit of a concern. You wish internally you could fill the rotation and give these guys a little bit of a breather and not just Strider. Really, the entire rotation would benefit from a week or two away. Um, but if it's up to me and if you can swing any kind of a deal for a proven, reliable, and you're not looking for a game one starter in the World Series necessarily. <laughs> no. But if you can find someone who you can hand the ball to every fifth day down the stretch, as we know, there's no such thing as too much pitching, especially in September and October. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be. I think Spencer Strider's the the biggest question mark. But really, for me, the rotation as a whole, it would be really beneficial to get these guys a breather down the stretch. Yeah, I totally agree. And getting somebody else that can roll out there is something that they, I'm sure they want to do. Uh, whether they can do it or not is up for debate and every team wants pitching, but uh, they have the assets that they want to go do that. And that's a uh, interesting thought process. And again, that uh, want to plug, 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 that, plug that podcast, I should say one more time. That's a good listen for everybody that's uh, checking out this show. Okay. Before we get to the weekend series, as well as some look ahead stuff to the Mets, because that is looming in a big way. A word from our sponsors on today's show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Scott. uh, The weekend was great. They sweep the Nationals. That's always nice. Washington's not very good. That is worth noting for sure. But uh, a breezy win on Friday with the offense just going pretty crazy. Matt Olson home run. Robert Acuna home run. His first one in a while. He's been struggling pretty mightily actually for a while now. Um, Wild Bill another home run as well. Charlie Morton is coming alive, which I know we've been talking about um, almost every week for the last two or three, maybe four weeks. But he's now uh, looking like his old self for the most part. Um, I mean, not a whole lot to quibble with on Friday. Kind of just a nice dominant win over a team that you're better than. Yeah, you got to take advantage in all this talk about the Braves schedule. Hey, you have to beat the bad teams. Um, You know, Charlie Morton, once again, has looked more and more every week like the guy he was last year. And I think you and I talked maybe a month or two ago when he was continuing to maybe not even struggle, but just didn't look quite like himself Uh, really now for a month now. Charlie has looked very much like Charlie Morton, um, getting a ton of swing and miss. Uh, his ERA on the season sits at 4.21, which is, is not great. But if you look at his advanced metrics, um, he's been unlucky with some of the balls put in play against him. Uh, of course, he was really unlucky early on in the season with that. So it's it's been a huge lift. I mean, you talk about uh, we should probably talk about Kyle Wright on Saturday a little bit. But man, as other guys in the rotation like Wright has cooled off a little bit from his crazy start. And then, of course, we know that Ian has struggled uh, a little bit as well, especially recently. Uh, Charlie pitching as well as he has. I don't think it's a coincidence that as the Braves started to play better and win games and win series more consistently, uh, Charlie's been really good. Um, and then the other thing from Friday night is uh, Michael Harris is a baller. Like <laughs> this kid, man. Yes. Like what more can you say? He looks, he absolutely looks the part. He was four for four home run, a double. He hit one to the upper deck of the chop house. Uh, that's like Jock Peterson in the playoffs territory. I mean, he's, really he's still slugging 520 after like yeah. a quarter season of full play. I mean, that's, that's not the giant sample size, but like it's almost 200 plate appearances. He's still slugging over 500. And when you factor that in with the glove, like what are we even doing here? Like that's, a, I mean, he's a monster. Oh, yeah. I mean, we said when he was called up, yeah, man, even if he's like Ender and Ciarte out there and just catches the baseball, makes the routine plays, makes an occasional dazzling play and just hits a little bit. You're golden. I mean, he is. He, been... he has 17, 17 extra base hits in uh, a quarter season, yeah. basically. Like he's on pace for uh, for over full, over a full campaign, like a hundred. I mean, sorry, um, you know, almost seventy extra base hits. Like that's wow. That's a, that, that's a star when you factor in his defense. Like it's it's crazy how good he's been. He's always, he's already been worth like almost two Fangraphs WAR in forty one games. Like oh yeah, I mean he. Yeah, we'll see how the second half goes. He, of course, is going to navigate the ups and downs of a major league season. But, man, like, yes, he keeps this up. He He's going to at least, I mean, uh, it's crazy. And, they, again, you talk about 
his meteoric rise. He was graduating high school three years ago. Like this isn't normal. Graduates in 2019, plays half a season in low A, did not have a minor league year in 2020 because of COVID, right? As a reminder, there was no minor league season. I think he was part of the summer camp workout team for a couple of weeks and was on like the taxi squad uh, as the Braves played the 60 game sprint and then plays last year in high A at age 20. I mean, what more can you say? He's the youngest player in the league. And I mean, every night it seems like Harris, even earlier this week, he was in a little bit of a funk and I tweeted, you know, maybe it's, it's time to give Michael a night off. And after that, he proceeded to get five hits in a row, including two home runs, which is par for the course. Uh, yeah. You just you can't say enough good things about the kid. I think he's brought a real energy as well to the outfield. Uh, he has been better than I think anyone could have possibly imagined at this point in his career. Yeah, definitely. Um, Going from there, um, just want to say out loud, we talked about Morton, but Morton has, even from since May 1st, so long before the the, the team run started, you know, that's, uh, you know, two plus months now, his ERA is like in the mid threes. Uh, and last five starts, it's like under two. So like, he's basically looking like Johnny Morton again, which is nice. Um, yeah, you talked about Kyle Wright on Saturday. We're actually going to get to this in a second, but Kyle Wright did not make the all-star team. That, that's actually happening as we're talking now. Uh, these snubs for the Braves are... Kyle Wright, Austin Riley, and AJ Minter in some order. Um, but Wright's ERA still sub three for the season. He's pitched not quite as dominantly the last month and a half, probably as he, as he was early on. But um, I'm not honestly, I'd have to do more like as to how outraged to be that Wright was left off the all star team. But he definitely has an all star worthy profile and did not make it right now. But look, like the fact that Kyle Wright on July 10th was a legitimate all star snub is kind of all you need to know about how good he's been. Uh, we we, we kind of know that, but uh, the numbers st- still look totally solid, and uh, he's pitched well. Yeah, he has. His profile is interesting because, you know, since the otherworldly start, really things like the strikeouts and the walks have remained fairly consistent. Um, he's just giving up a handful of hits, and I don't want to blame it all on bad luck, but really I wonder just how much of it is just the ups and downs of – batting average on balls in play. As we know, you'll have a great game and then, uh, you know, you'll throw the ball really well and the other team will just hit a half dozen singles to the middle of nowhere. Another night you won't have your good stuff, but you'll escape and only give up two hits. Um, So I think with Kyle, again, man, you talk about a guy who has exceeded all expectations. I think he has 10 wins as well. Uh, Pitcher wins are a funny thing, but man, if you would have told me on the preseason podcast when I had him as my uh, pick to click or, or whatever it was, our surprise MVP of the year. Um, if you would have told me that Kyle was going to be here with a 10 wins and a 288 ERA as we cross the midpoint in the year, I mean, everybody would have taken that. And uh, he's just, I guess, just a, a testament to the work that he's done. Maybe as, if a pitcher or two has to pull out uh, from for various reasons from the All Star game, maybe he gets added. Yeah, uh, I think listeners of the podcast, at least the last couple of weeks, know I am totally in favor of letting guys rest and get away from baseball for a couple of days during the All Star break. But yeah, man, Kyle is very deserving, and uh, it's just it's been a really good year so far. It has for sure. Um, I'm going to leave this up to you. Do you want to do your Will Smith rant uh, about Saturday? Because I know you were you were feeling about him pitching on Saturday in the spot that he pitched. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it up to you. At this point, I mean, I I think people know. <laughs> Brian Snicker, hey, Brian Snicker's a world champion manager whose teams have won four divisions in a row, hopefully five in a row. Like, 
I don't want to beat on him too much, but there's just right now, especially with no Kenley and hopefully this gets remedied and Kenley's ready to go, but Will Smith cannot continue to be the automatic bullpen reliever to come out of the, out of the bullpen whenever it's the biggest spot of the game. And truly that that's how he's being used. As you said, his ERA is not like terrible. I, I don't know how his ERA is so low. Like I need to do the math because it feels like it should be 11. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's nothing that folks don't know at this point with Will. Snitker loves his veterans. Uh, Will has been around the block. He's a world champion closer. Uh, and, and let's hope as Kenley comes back and maybe um, there's just an opportunity to give Will some less high leverage innings because whenever he has come in, even if he is getting out of it, I think everybody kind of holds their breath for 20 minutes. He almost had that game winning or game losing grand slam in Cincinnati. He loaded the bases against the Cardinals earlier in the week. I mean, there's never a clean one, two, three inning for Will as much as, uh, as much as we love him on the podcast. Uh, yeah. It, that, that's my, my Will Smith rant. My, that was like a C like I could have gone. Oh yeah. yeah I'm boy. in a good mood. The Braves, the Braves are killing it. They're 29 and eight. <laughs> not, not great. You got more in there. Um, all right. We'll leave that there for Saturday. Uh, get into Sunday briefly here. Um, the game was, as we, as we discussed earlier, was a, it was a marathon uh, kind of win. Um, Anderson, we'll start there. Anderson was fine the first two times through the order. And then on cue, as almost always, he did not have it in the third time through the order. So I, I pulled the numbers on this. Coming into today, this does not include today, where he also, by the way, the third time through the order, Anderson gave up two walks. Did get two outs, but two walks and two outs is not a good, it's not going to improve your numbers, generally speaking. Uh, his, his third time through the order stats uh, via fan graphs are, in a small sample size, catastrophic. This year, uh, coming into the day, it was a 12.27 ERA for Anderson, the third time through the order, with a slash line allowed of 397, 474, 721 slugging. His his K rate plummets, his walk rate goes way up, his home run rate goes way up. He has an 8.22 FIP, so it's not like he's getting crazy unlucky either. Like, it's a small sample size, but like, I, I, I saw a lot of people like sort of anecdotally saying, man, he always falls apart. At the end of, yeah. He, he really has kind of just done that this season. And, you know, I'm not sure if there's an adjust, adjustment to, to be made there from Snicker to kind of just like, look, make him a hard stop twice through the order guy. I'm not sure if they're going to do that, but uh, it wouldn't be the worst idea at this point, because like a lot of his bad numbers this year and the numbers are still not good for the full season are because of his third time through the order splits. Like he has a sub four ERA the first two times through the order. Like he, I think if that was all we knew about Anderson at this point, we'd be a lot in, in a lot better shape in terms of the way we feel about Anderson. But anytime he stays in for that third time, it's not going low. Yeah. It's kind of funny thinking about when you, if you asked a Braves fan to describe Ian Anderson, the first thing I think that comes to mind for a lot of people is how good he's been in the postseason. Yep. And I think part of that is because he is perfectly tailored to a postseason situation. Right. Like even the, the the greatest of pitchers now rarely go through lineups three times in the playoffs. And I would imagine Ian never does that. Famously, he had the no hitter and was pulled after four or five innings against the Astros in game three of the World Series last year. So he wasn't seeing the lineup multiple times through. And I, I think he's just kind of effectively wild when he's going well. Uh, like today's game, for example, there were a ton of changeups up in the zone. And I think it was messing with with uh, Washington's hitters a little bit because you generally don't get like letter high change ups and they were swinging through them. 
Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know what to do with Ian. I think clearly the organization is going to let him just keep going out there every fifth day. Uh, maybe as games take on a higher importance, for example, if in a month you're playing the Mets, maybe you have a little more hard line in the sand that if Ian draws one of the starts, you tell Snit, hey, I don't care if it's zero runs or five runs. If he's going to see the lineup a third time through, you have to yank him. Uh, maybe that eventually gets to a point, but then you're, you're taxing your bullpen as well. And it is weird. I mean, he was at 80 pitches going into the uh, in the sixth today with and no runs at that point either. Um, he was facing the top of the lineup. It's it's tough for a manager, I think, to pull him whenever you don't know what the rest of the game is going to entail. Especially in July. Like, I, I mean, yeah. as much as I don't, I think that there should be a little bit more rigid um, following of that kind of stuff. I do understand that you have to think about your bullpen for the full season. And Snicker is definitely um, operating with more information than we have. But it is also like pretty stark. <laughs> you see the numbers. It's like, all right, maybe this is an example where you kind of just have to do it. But there is a long-term play. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything about this. I, I, I don't, but it is, um, you know, there is the task of having to manage your entire pitching staff for the full season, which he is having to do. And that's, that's part of the calculus too. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And again, I feel bad because I feel like every week we're talking about Ian because naturally we, we try to look at both the pros and the cons of the week. And really for the last month or so, Ian has been one of the few areas with this whole roster one through 26 that has brought some cause for concern. I mean, most everything else is good. So I feel bad. We're not trying to pile on. No. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. not. I mean, and honestly, if I hadn't uh, come across the third time for the order stats that I did, I probably would have left this off, but it was like so comically ridiculous, like how big the split is that I'm like, all right, I have to, I have to. Oh, yeah. this. <laughs> no, that, that's, those numbers are rough. And it's and really bad. Yeah. And hopefully again, you, the all-star break is a week away, hopefully a little time away. Um, helps him regain. Uh, he, he's seen a little bit of a drop in velocity. I'm sure everyone's has some bumps and bruises that they would like a couple days away to, to feel better about. So yeah, it's, it's an opportunity for him as we hit this midway point. I think he's going to make one more start before uh, the end of the, the first half, if you will. Um, yeah. Hopefully he's able to figure it out. And he's also just put in good situations where, uh, you know, if he is going to struggle the third time through, you're not going to send him out there to the wolves. For sure. Um, so from, from there, the rest of Sunday, I think everybody probably watched it. It's listening to this podcast, but um, Dylan Lee allows three run, three run homer after the two walks by Anderson that puts the Braves behind. And then it was also rally time from there. He ties it in the eighth with the home run and then eventually walks it off in the 12th. Uh, we have to just say though, the extra innings were very, very funny, just objectively speaking uh, in the 10th, the nationals bunted in the top of the 10th. It didn't score. Then the aforementioned absolute rocket by Ozuna in the bottom of the 10th that was caught that would have won the game a lot most of the time. And then Riley getting thrown out at home for running through the stop sign, it seemed like the consensus was. Uh, you, you, when Ron Washington's stopping you, you probably want to stop, I'll just say. He doesn't really stop people very much. Um, and then in the 11th, the Nats got it. The, the Nats grounded into a double play on the first pitch of the 11th inning. Now, that is impossible to do under previous baseball rules. Uh, but now the combination of the ghost runner and the intentional walk without actually throwing a pitch allowed that to actually happen. A double play on the first pitch of the inning is just wild stuff. And then the Braves didn't score in the 11th, despite getting a hit with a guy on second base. <laughs> so it was just a comedy of errors for two innings, basically before yeah. the walk off. So I have nothing to add. It was just one of those Manfred ball moments. And uh, coming in, it's a reminder that Braves were two and six in extra innings and the Mets were seven and oh coming into the day. And finally some regression, the Braves win, the Mets lose both in extra innings. Yeah, no, it, 
thank goodness that this game was just screaming to be like one of the more frustrating losses of the entire year, right? Like you get a uh, shout out to Jesse Chavez, who has been awesome this season. Like, I don't know how much we've talked about Jesse and, you know, who we'll see what the second half holds for him, but Jesse Chavez has been great out of the bullpen, especially when you consider they acquired him in April for Sean Newcomb or the, you know, the ghost of Sean Newcomb. Uh, and then Colin McHugh, who I think has kind of weirdly gotten a bad rep from Braves fans. He's had a couple of moments in big spots that weren't great, but I trust Colin McHugh coming out of the bullpen. I think you do too. Uh, and then talking about Austin Riley, who had a huge week, uh, he is up to 14th in league in war at 3.2. Uh, he has a 148 WRC plus. Uh, again, as a reminder, that that's 148, 100 is average. Uh, that puts him firmly in the top 20 in the league as well among qualified hitters. He's tied with Nolan Arenado, Wilson Contreras, just ahead of guys like Pete Alonzo and Juan Soto. Uh, so he is quietly, we talked about him off the top, man, like Austin Riley for a guy who, uh, you know, admittedly had some ups and downs during his first couple of years in the league. Uh, what he has been able to do over the last season and a half is really just astounding. Yeah, he's been great. Um, the only thing that you can even quibble with this year with Riley is like he's not his his OBP is down a little bit, but the slugging the slugging percentage is still you know in the mid in the mid five hundreds. Which so it doesn't really matter what you do in terms of everything else. Like when you do that, the power is real. Twenty three home runs, twenty one doubles, etc. He is on a massively impressive pace once again, and uh, a true all star snub along with Wright. And uh, I would say again, AJ Minter is a snub as well. Like, I, I don't know if I expected him to make it because he's not, he's not a traditional closer. And basically you have to be so ridiculous to make it as a uh, non-closer, particularly on a team that already has all-stars because I'll just say this before. I know this is not going to stop Ray from getting mad about about the snubs for all-star games, but keep in mind that every team in baseball has to have an all-star and that makes life difficult for some people to actually make the other team that, that deserve it. Uh, you can argue about that rule all day long, but that, that rule is still in place. Every team has to have an all-star whether they deserve one or not. So that is part of the, that's part of the reason why guys, why guys get snubbed that might deserve it. I.E. Mentor, I.E. Riley, I.E. Uh, Kyle Wright. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, those fellas get to enjoy a week off. A nice break. Yes. Don't think about baseball. Don't play baseball. Enjoy time with <laughs> family right like i feel like i'm a salesman for team stay home and rest i think you are and just just so we say it out loud uh, acuna is going to start uh contreras is going to start at dh because bryce harper cannot that's a that's gonna be that's pretty crazy for a guy who is a part-time catcher to be a start to be the starting dh for the national league that happened um and then Darno and Swanson are going to be reserves and Freed, who is an absolute lock to be there. Uh, he's there as well. So they have five first time since 2011 to be, to have five. They haven't had six since like, 20, like 2003. So that was actually in play and still might happen. As you said earlier, they could still have a, a replacement potentially to get to six, but they earned five. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Cool. And you could tell, especially like uh, Bill Contreras clearly wanted to be there in the all-star game because he was tweeting and posting and, I think he's his, one his, of those his, his, his brother's there too. So there's the family affair yeah. aspects of that. So yeah, yeah my, my good buddy Jeff Passan uh, noted that this will <laughs> be the, the first pair of brothers to start on the same all star team since 1992. Wow. Uh, Roberto and Sandy Alomar. So that'll be very, very cool. Those two, if you somehow missed the story of, of the Contreras brothers, whenever the Cubs and Braves played earlier this year, they have just a remarkable story and a very tight knit family. Uh, Wilson talked about having to leave his family, which is very, very difficult to pursue his dreams. And now yeah, they're both going to be all-stars and 
uh, that'll be very, very cool. I know, again, I try not to be too much of a Grinch, but, um, you know, seeing guys like Contreras and Swanson go for the first time when they really do deserve it is always fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's all I got on the All-Star game too. We'll get to that when we need to next week when it actually happens. And also it's in the middle of the draft. So we'll, we'll be in draft mode, at least uh, maybe not you and I, but uh, Eric and friends will be in draft mode on this podcast next week during all the festivities about the All-Star game as well. Um, and now for the main event, as we look ahead a little bit here, the Mets uh, come to town beginning on Monday in the Braves, as we sort of referenced before are 29 and eight since June 1st. That's the best record in the league. Um, and they also have now reached 17 games over 500, the most, over 500 since 2019. Last year, they famously never got there despite winning the World Series because um, they weren't that good the regular season, as we, talk, as we talked about a lot. And uh, the Braves are now projected, at least by 538, a couple other places, um, to actually have a slight advantage in the division despite only uh, despite being trailing by a game and a half. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's going to be a massive showdown. Um, and I'll say this, the Mets have not met this up too much to have the gap close as fast as it has, it's mostly just the Braves being incredibly good for the last six weeks. Um, you would get, if I told you on June 1st that the Mets were going to have their lead go from 10 and a half, which is where it was on June 1st, down to one and a half by July 10th, I think you and I would have assumed that the Mets just kind of fell apart. And they're 19 and 16. Like they've played pretty decent baseball over that sample size, but the Braves have just been out of their minds. And uh, that's how you make up nine games in five and a half weeks. Yeah. No, I, when you look at the Mets, it was clear that early on in the season, they had everything going right for them and credit to them. I I'm a believer in that good teams find ways to win games. They maybe shouldn't, but just looking at some of their batted ball profile numbers earlier in the year, uh, they were swimming. They, they were way above their heads in, in what they should have been doing. That's calmed down. They've really struggled with runners in scoring position over the last month. Um, they don't hit for a lot of power. I think they're a team that's more contact focused, um, which is like the complete opposite of the Braves. Um, but again, they, they just, they're not a bad team. I, I never really bought them as like this unstoppable powerhouse that the New York Yankees have become this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, June 1st was the day after that horrific second loss in Arizona. Uh, of course, the one game of the year I was at. Um, which was just, I mean, truly, I think that was the lowest point of the season. And since then, yeah. the Braves have the best record in the league, 29 and eight. Um, these, these three games against the Mets are going to be as important of games as you can feasibly play in July 11th through the 13th. Um, you know, that, that's, it's going to be exciting. I think Monday night at Truist is one of the replica World Series ring giveaways so the place is going to be packed. I don't Absolutely know. Absolutely slammed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the ticket market is like. It's unfortunate. I think that Wednesday is a getaway game. I wish it was in prime time. Would have been cool to, to get some more eyes on those games. But yeah, if you're in Atlanta and can get your hands on a ticket, uh, get out to Truist because it should be a really fun series, some good pitching matchups. And I, I don't know about you, Brad. I feel, I think the Braves are a better team than the Mets. Um, I truly believe that when I look at the rosters one through 26, uh, maybe if DeGrom and Scherzer are just like ungodly the rest of the way, then you could give the edge to the Mets. But I really do believe the Braves are the better team overall. Uh, but ultimately, I think who wins the division is going to be the team that wins the better half of these upcoming 15 games. I don't know how you feel, but yeah. That's a very reason. I mean, I think just the math tells you that's probably the case. I mean, if one team goes 
10 and five in those 15 games, that's a five game edge. And that's probably going to decide the division. If it's close, if it's, if it's nine, six, eight, seven kind of thing, then it may be not, but yeah, I tend to think that if one team really, really wins that matchup pretty significantly, that's the difference in the division probably. And I'm with you. I mean, I think we kind of were always there to be honest. We picked the Braves to win the division this year. We were most afraid of the Mets and that seems, that seems to be true. They were the best team in the division other than the Braves. Um, but yeah, I think the Braves, the Mets were a little bit too hot early on the season. Now the counterpoint would be that they're a little bit healthier now in the rotation, like DeGrom is back, Scherzer is pitching, et cetera. That's a little bit uh, scary if you are the Braves, but I do think that now with the gap basically being nil, I mean, not that the Braves are not, you know, they're still down the game and a half, but uh, we talked about this back then, of course, but 10 and a half game deficit, 10 and a half, 10 and a half game, game deficit. You can't just assume that's going to be made up. Now that it is made up, like, it's a coin flip from here. And I think the, the markets look at that. I mean, um, I think the standings, just the logic looks at that. And I think, you know, sure. I think the Braves are probably the better team at this point. Uh, and this is big. I mean, if the Braves, especially at home this week, if they go out and win two or three, they'll be a half game back. They could be winning the division by Tuesday night. That's insane. I mean, given where they were on June one to be, to have that actually be a possibility on July 12th is just crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we'll talk about it a lot. Obviously, they play a lot more times in the second half. It's kind of crazy how little they've played so far this year. And uh, you mentioned the, the, the lack of sort of uh, the prime time on Wednesday because I'm on the West Coast right now uh, where, where you already live. I'm out in Vegas covering Summer League. So when I pulled this up, it actually says 9.20 a.m. and I had a shiver down my spine. So now, now, I, know, now I know what it's like to be you, Scott, when you realize that the game's at 9.20 a.m. You know, the, living, living on the West Coast for sports, I think, is a win. However... It, it is a little weird. The 9 a.m. starts, especially for a big game. Like if it's a 9 a.m. start against the Detroit Tigers in April, whatever. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a little weird. But, yeah, welcome to the good life on the West Coast. You got to come out for football season because that's when the West Coast really shines for <laughs> 10 a.m. Yeah. kickoffs. And you don't have to stay up till three in the morning for a little uh, Pac-12 after dark, which is sadly going to be a thing of the past in a couple of years. Yeah, I, I already can't wait to get yelled at because I'm going to be at the Hawks summer league game in the middle of Freed Scherzer tomorrow night tweeting about the Hawks because I'll be in I'll be in the building. And I, I'm, I know there are always Braves fans that are like, why are you tweeting about the Hawks? It's because I cover the Hawks. Uh, but that's going to be very funny. Like Probably the biggest single game of the season on paper so far is Monday night, Freed Scherzer, Braves, Mets. It's, on, it's also on FS1, which is not, it's not like a national like broadcast yeah. network, but that's a national TV game. So, yeah, all eyes on that one, and I'll be in a basketball arena. So that'll be fun. I will have my iPad to watch the baseball, to watch baseball game, but still. Yeah, there you go. I mean, not just biggest game of the year for the Braves so far. Maybe like, baseball? One of the five. baseball. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean. I mean, Free Scherzer at... is just incredible. I mean, I don't, I don't want to oversell it too much, but given how good Max Fried has been, which, which we've covered extensively the last, like, month or so, and then Max Scherzer's Max Scherzer. He's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Like, that's a pretty ludicrous matchup already. So. Yeah. Max Scherzer is probably, like, sitting on the air, you know, airport tarmac right now already like <laughs> muttering to himself rocking back and forth because he's an actual psychopath uh, i mean not, not sure and, and, yeah he, he's not the injury stuff this year but just as if you don't even pay attention uh, i know brace fans don't always watch non-braves baseball uh max scherzer basically since 2012 has been the best pitcher in the world essentially for that like 10 year sample size on the whole um last year he had his era was sub two this year his era is 2.26 he has, uh, he's just ludicrous. Like that guy is, uh, he's 37 years old, but he is still uh, as good as ever somehow. So yeah, I mean, I actually looked this up just now. The Braves are actually slightly favored 
on Monday night, um, which probably tells you that Max Fried's really good too, and also that they're playing at home. But uh, yeah, that's the one spot where you would say it's kind of a coin flip because I think the Braves had the advantage pitching wise in the, in the last two games. It's Strider against David Peterson, and then Morton and, and Chris Bassett. It's not too much of a gap, but Morton I think is better. So uh, matchup wise, no Degrom in this in this sequence playing at home. It does lean a little bit to the Braves, so we'll see. Yeah, it's an important series, and I don't want to overstate it, right? There's another, what, 75 games to go? Long way to go, yeah. Right, so long way to go. The Braves, by the way, we should just say this now. If they get swept this week, there's going to be, like, absolute panic, and there shouldn't be. It's it's still the middle of July. There's a long way to go. It is. So, look, I mean, again, as as we kind of said during the – you know, the, the playoffs and World Series run last year. This is what makes being a fan great. Like these games, not every team gets to have really exciting appointment viewing baseball games in the middle of July. Uh, the Braves do. And it's Freed against Scherzer to, to start it, which is great. And then you mentioned Strider against David Peterson, who's been pretty good. Uh, Charlie Morton against Chris Bassett. Matt Bassett just came off the COVID IL, so we'll see. Uh, what kind of, of stamina he has built up. But, I mean, it's it's three big games. And then uh, right after that, you finish the first half on the road against the Washington Nationals. Again, uh, a team that is just – I mean, the Nationals are bad. I mean, they're not a very good team right now. They, they kept it close on Saturday and Sunday. But, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid to know what the Nationals roster is going to look like in a couple of weeks when they presumably trade away Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz. And their bullpen was pretty good this weekend. Maybe they get rid of some relievers as well. Uh, yeah, it's going to be dark times for the Nationals, at least, I don't know, two, three, four years. It's going to be a tough rebuild. Yeah, they're 30 and 58, and they have lost one, two, three, four, five, six. They have lost 10 of the last 11 games. So, yeah, I would. Uh, and, and apparently, no matter what kind of blank check they hand Juan Soto, Juan Soto doesn't want to stick around for the rebuild, which, I mean, I don't blame him. No, but that that sucks. And, it's going to uh, be tough. Yeah. So and before anyone asks, the Braves <laughs> cannot trade for Juan Soto because they don't have prospects <laughs> they, anymore. They, they can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, only, the only way to do that would be uh, to include Michael Harris. And I don't think people want to do that at the moment. So uh, and more, by the way, Michael Harris and more. It wouldn't just be Harris for, <laughs> Harris for Juan Soto as good as Michael Harris is. Um, yeah, I actually had somebody, uh, I don't know if they were joking or not in my mentions today, um, ask me um, if Anderson and something else would be enough to get Sandy, Sandy Alcantara from the Marlins, which I thought was uh, quite funny. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for, yeah, uh, the Marlins actually, I didn't realize this, the Marlins, good on them, locked up Sandy Alcantara for, I think, yeah, five years and yeah. $60 million, so a stellar contract. Um like the way he's going, he's going to make his money back on that in like a year and a half, and the rest will all be surplus value for Miami. Yeah, but he has a club option in 2027. So, yeah, he's under contract for a long time. Yeah, the only guy, Pablo Lopez, if Miami makes him available, could be of interest. Um, he's been good, though he is, I think, a free agent next year. So maybe we'll see. I think Miami's one of the teams that hold some of the cards and some of the keys for the trade deadline here in a couple of weeks. But uh, nonetheless, you to get back on track, um, yeah, three big games against the Mets. You finish the first half in Washington. I would bet my life savings. There will be a rain delay at some point in that Washington DC series, because <laughs> there is always a rain delay, whether warranted or not in, in the nation's capital. Uh, but yeah, Brad, I mean, this year is flying by. I feel like just yesterday we were doing some of the, the preview podcasts and now here we are 80 some odd games in the Braves are rolling. All-star game is a week away. The draft is a week away. 
trade deadline season is coming up. So it's been a, a fun ride, especially since the team has kind of figured a few things out really since the beginning of June. Yeah, for sure. Um, and on that note, I know I said it earlier, but we are going to have a lot of podcast content coming uh, both this week and then into next week because the draft is also Sunday, a week from today. So tentatively speaking, we are going to have the Daily Hammer, as, of course, as, you, as usual this week with Sean Coleman. Shouts to Sean. Um, Chris and Steven will be back later on this week. We'll have Road to Atlanta, sort of a final pre-draft kind of thing. Um, hopefully we'll do another Battery Power episode over the weekend and then the draft starts on Sunday. And I believe the plan is to have, if not every day, at least a couple of draft recap reaction shows from the road to Atlanta guys. So it's going to be, we might have 10 episodes in like a six day period. It's going to be a lot of stuff on the podcast network. So please, please, please subscribe, tell a friend, share it with them. Um, honestly, this is not necessarily me or Scott's domain, but uh, I will brag on our minor league guys. I think we have the best brave centric minor league coverage available in the public sphere on our, on our website and also on this podcast feed. So I check that out for for sure. And then if you want to listen to the big league stuff as well uh, with us and Chris and Steven and Sean, et cetera. So uh, we're in a good, we're in good shape. Uh, obviously I don't like to brag too much on, on, on ourselves, but I feel comfortable bragging on Eric and uh, Eric and the minor league crew while they're not here. So there you go, Scott. Oh yeah. No, I learn stuff from those guys all the time. We have, we're lucky as Braves fans. And again, I'm going to sound biased and spoiled, but you know, battery power has tremendous content every single day. Brad, you mentioned we're going to have maybe 10 podcasts over a week period coming up here with everything going on. So we do it for you guys. We hope you all are enjoying the content. Again, it's a lot of fun doing these when the team is killing it 29 and 8 over the last month and a half. That's really, really good. It's been a, a fun week of games and another big week of games ahead of us. And, um, I'm uh, thankful for everybody who has tuned in along the way. Me as well. Uh, thank you for being here, Scott, on this uh, Sunday, on this patient Sunday as we waited out at the end of the Braves game. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back again in some form very, very soon. And uh, stay tuned for all of that. So we'll see you all next time.